0: You are now in the Corner Booth Podcast, a sports podcast from Billy Up Sports and the Billy Up Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jared Clem. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Corner Booth Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Clem, alongside my crew, Kevin and Savannah. We got a. Good pack of games today for the six-pack and a couple few headlines. Give going a shorter show today, of course, because, you know, the holidays are on the corner. Sports is kind of taking a quick little cool down, especially later in the week. But uh, let's get it right up and rolling. Uh, first off, Lee story today, the Jaguars fire Tom Coughlin after it was reported that 25% of the NFL, the NFLPA grievances against, like, uh, in the league are against the Jaguars. Um some of the some of the things included players being fined for not showing up to non-mandatory activities and things of that nature. Leonard Fournette was fined, I think, just under $100,000 for sitting on the bench when he was uh, non-active in, during the Week 17 game last year. Dante Fowler was fined a total of, I think it was just under $900,000. It was $700,000. $700,000, sorry. I knew it was one, nine or seven. Um, seven hundred thousand dollars for missing, uh, for not rehabbing his injuries at the Jaguars facility. Now, this is now starting to. I always wondered why the Jaguars, with so much talent, just never worked. That one season with Bortles, who just, which was just inexplicable. And I tried to wonder, like, what happened with Jalen Ramsey? What flipped? And I remember hearing the story about. Him and the disrespectful nature that the front office talked to him. And when I heard that, I'm like, wait a minute. I kind of feel like that's a Coughlin dig. Because the players love the owner Shad Khan. They, they all have like the utmost respect for him. And even Marone, I don't feel like really is like the problem with the players. I feel like they like Marone. But I feel like this is the answer to why Jacksonville, with all that talent, has sucked the past two years. So... What do you guys think about all this uh, and the Tom Coughlin firing?
1: I think it makes sense. They weren't fining people for not showing up to things that weren't mandatory. They were making things mandatory that they couldn't, according and to then the And you didn't
0: show up, that, that's what I meant to say. They, when they didn't show up, they got fined.
1: Yeah, and it makes sense, I think. I mean, people were trying to blame Khan for this, saying, like, oh, he doesn't care about the team. He wants to do all this. Like, this isn't his job. His job is to... Fund the team and then hire people to put in positions so they can take care of this. It's not on him that Tom Coughlin is running his team like a dictator, far past the point of his relevancy. If this was with the Giants, the the NFL wouldn't have cared as much because they were they also the York was a also the Would have never let that happen. And I mean, I am okay with Coughlin being fired. Doug Marone's part of it. I think they should fire him, too. I think they need to clean house of this entire coaching staff and front office.
0: Because, you know, the sad thing is they have a ton of talent in that roster. Like, 51 50, through 53, that's a very good roster. That's a wild card team in the in the, in the playoffs if you took the Jacksonville logo away. So I, I completely agree. I think they should literally clean house. I think the Marone thing kinda lost his due last year when the same team basically with even with some even better players basically did nothing. Um Yeah, I'm completely with you, Kev. Savannah, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I think they need a clean house too. Um honestly, other than Doug Marone, I think I don't think he's a horrible coach. I just think things need to change everywhere else because they basically have the same players when they made the AFC championship and now they're, like, not producing, like, whatsoever. I don't know what happened. I don't know why they took a nosedive. But – and I think it's – I don't know how they found out about everything with, like, the money-wise, but the fact that he was doing that blows my mind. How – because what do they do – what's the point of that? Like, you're just going to make your – want your – make your players not want to do anything that, they're ha- that, that they have to anyways.
0: The last thing I was going to bring up was this explains a lot more of the Jalen Ramsey situation. Right. Like, I, I talked about the meetings said, he was talking about when he did the interview, but, like, it kind of makes a lot more sense now why he just automatically snapped on Marone. So, I, I'm trying to think, like, it, it kind of just puts everything together. But, um... We're gonna switch off football for a minute. Uh, next up, James Wiseman, the number one recruit in last year's uh, in last year's class for college basketball, who is currently suspended, I believe, uh, at, at, at Memphis, is leaving Memphis to prepare for the NBA draft. Now, I have a couple thoughts on this. Um, first off, I hate this. I mean, I, I love college sports, basketball, and the and the NFL and uh, college football included. I do th- we we had the whole conversation before about players getting paid. I'm totally for it in the most in the most obvious way, but it bugged me when Bosa pulled this last year, and when Fournette and McCaffrey pulled themselves from bowl games. I I got it was meaningful, meaningless bowl games, so I got that. The Bosa thing kind of bugged me because I was just like, it's like halfway through the season. But I understand what they're doing. I understand why these players do this because they're not getting paid. They want to get themselves hurt. It, I feel like Wiseman should have been one of those first guys to just go straight to the G League because those contracts are now available, but nobody takes them. But he honestly would have been better doing that than going to getting in all this trouble, you know having like all the NCAA sanctions, have his name getting dragged through the mud a little bit, and now like honestly he can just he could have just been playing in the G League the entire time. And I think if the beauty of the G League, correct me if I'm wrong, you can get signed by I think any team off of uh G League roster, I believe. I think it's like almost like a practice squad in the NFL. I have to get correction on that. But I think it's like the 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 move to the moving the movement is very uh very um Fluent, I guess. Uh anyway, I don't know. I just I, I feel like this just, just I hate seeing this with players like, yo, Cole Anthony's now four to six weeks at Carolina. Just college basketball isn't the same as it was when we were younger. And it kinda it kinda sucks because it's a, it's a fun thing to watch.
1: I have no issue with this whatsoever. I think James Wiseman isn't coming back, not because he doesn't want to get hurt. Not because he wants to focus on the draft. It's part of it, but also he got screwed by the NCAA. And to like, oh, you can't come back until you donate, I forget the amount, donate money to a charity. Where's he gonna get that money? Going to college is useless for guys like this. They like you said, they'd be better off going to the G League, but for some reason he decided to go to college. That's fine. I think that's a viable option, except when the NCAA does NCAA
0: things.
2: This is not. I think,
0: I think they're more to blame for the cu- decline of college basketball and the players themselves. Oh, 100%. Talent across the board is higher than it was
1: ever. And I think that he is completely on the NCAA. James Wiseman, I'm sorry you had to deal with the NCAA. I'm sorry for anyone who has to deal with the NCAA. And I think this is a wake-up call, or should be a wake-up call to them, and Mark Emmett showing, like, hey, Emirate. it's E-M-M-E-T. I thought it was Emory, whatever. And he doesn't – it shows that they don't need to go to college anymore. And the NCAA will lose money because of this when the top athletes aren't going to
0: college. And every every one of these guys has the ego thinking they're the top athlete. So it's not going to be just the top five guys. It's going to be the 25 – number 25 ranked recruit, 30th, 40th. Like all these guys are all gassed up by their like their crew – an and agent like, oh, just go to the G League. You can, you, you know, you're you're better than so and so. You know, he's ranked forty positions higher than you in the Max Preps 100 or whatever the hell they use now, or Rivals, or whatever the hell they use. But anyway, it's like, <clears throat> I think Kevin, you're right. It could. This is this could honestly, the NCAA doesn't fix this because the, what they pulled, Wiseman. You are right. Is like, like one. Where's, listen, I had a I had a job in college. And I couldn't even afford half like to live in college half the time. Like I was like I think in my sophomore year I was so broke, I was jacking vitamin waters for you know unlike other and like other items from like the student uh, the student center when they weren't looking because I'm like, I was broke. I know it. I like had to sneak by. And it, when it came to junior senior year, I was lucky I had roommates that had a little bit of money. So like occasionally they would buy me dinner when I was between, you know, paychecks and, like, you know, my parents being able to give me a little bit of money for food because I had no job my junior year because I wasn't allowed to have them for an internship. I think at the same time, these guys aren't allowed to make money at all, and yet you want them to pay a stupid fine or a charity thing, whatever. Basically, it's a fine, but the NCAA has a better name for it, I guess, because it looks better on paper. It's like, oh, you have to donate to a charity. The NCAA is, like, the most phony cartel-like organization on the planet. They run the NCAA, like, almost and half these, half these athletes are, like, starting to feel like It's not even worth it going to college, and it's going to kill a great game and great product in college basketball. So, Savannah, you got anything to contribute for this one?
2: I mean, I I definitely agree with you guys. I think what the NCAA did was stupid. Like, he already was having money problems. That's the reason why he was in that situation. And then they want him to donate, what was it, like $11,000. Like, how do you just pull $11,000 out of your ass like that? when you're already having money problems. So I think he's already suspended. He's not playing. So to me, it kind of just makes the situation just make sense. Like you're not going to be able to pay the fine. You're not going to be able to come back. So you might as well just focus on the draft because you know, you're going to get drafted.
0: And honestly, Wiseman has a good NBA body. I love his game. If he, is where I'm putting on weight and get himself ready. So he's not like bounced around. Like half these guys are who come out at 18, 19 years old. So, I don't know. I think this kind of cements him as possibly being a top three pick now because the dude's basically gonna have the entire college season with basically fresh legs, and he's gonna be in probably in a lot better shape than that these guys are because he's gonna have the entire year to focus. So, good for Wiseman. Honestly, I I, I guess I should reframe my answer because I really like. I'm all for the kids making their own decisions. I hate seeing this because I hate seeing the decline of the product itself. Um. Last note before we go into uh, the six-pack. Um, Herman Boone, if you guys don't know that name, you should. Uh, he was the head
1: coach of... Don't tell them. Just let them figure it out on their own. They need to know this man's name, and they need to Google
0: him to find out. <laughs> are you Are you being dead serious right now? Yes. All right, well, a football legend and, uh, you know, one of my favorite football movies. So... Look up this man's name. Pay respects. One of the greatest men in this sport of football has ever had, and um, yeah. So rest in peace, Herman Boone. He's eighty-four years old. So as and Kevin wants you to do some research, guys. He's trying to improve your education.
1: So yeah, do it. Google him.
0: <laughs> All right. Boone with an eight. So, so with that in mind, let's break out. The ceremonial crack. Today's beer is Cookies for Santa by Blackhawk Brewing Company. The Brits right down the street from my house. Shout out to them for, uh, you know, treating my family like family for the past, like, four years. So I have never paid full price for a beer in there. Not even kidding. Um, it's a bourbon barrel aged chocolate chip cookie imperial stout. And it's freaking amazing. So Blackhawk Brewing in Oxford, Connecticut. I highly recommend you try it. So let's crack the six-pack. All right, first up, Houston and Tampa Bay. We have the hot Buccaneers coming at 7-7, seven and seven, and we have the reeling Texans who barely pulled off a win against the Titans. Um, first off, I'm going to say Houston is the best, is one of the funnest teams to watch in the second half because on script this, these guys are confused, slow, and beatable. Then the second they start playing backyard football, they become unstoppable. And it's great to watch. I have the Texans winning, I think, the whole Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston's going to throw for a ton of yards. I think it's going to be a shootout. Like, bet the over and a half on this game. Because Houston secondary is crap. Jameis is going to throw a buttload of picks to guys you've never heard of. But Deshaun Watson's going to light up that secondary of Tampa. I think Tampa has, like, a top-bottom three secondary as well. So, uh... Play every Buccaneer and Texan you can find in fantasy this week. Kevin? I am not
1: big on Bill O'Brien. I don't think he's a good coach. I think they're never going to win anything meaningful with him as coach. However, I think James Winston is going to throw, like you said, a ton of picks. is still, still shoot for that record. <laughs> and I think... That's what's going to be the difference. I think Deshaun Watson doesn't turn the ball over nearly as much. No one does. And I think the quarterback position is going to decide this game, and the Texans have a big advantage in that department.
2: Oh, yeah. Sabeta? Uh, Clearly the Texans have a big advantage at quarterback. I think they have a – the wide receiver position kind of, I feel like, leans towards Tampa Bay for me. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a shootout as well. I think – Houston's defense is a little bit stronger, especially at the uh, the front seven than Tampa Bay's. Is. I mean, they do have Shaquille Barrett, but that's it. Like, I feel like that that he is their defense. So I'm gonna go with Houston.
0: All righty, clean sweep. Sometimes that can be the kiss of death for us. So we'll see what happens there. All right, Bills and Patriots. Now, you guys don't remember a little history lesson for you. Last time these two teams played, the Bills were driving down the field to take the lead. It was sixteen ten. And Matt Barkley had to come in for a concussed Josh Allen because Jonathan Jones basically headbutted him. I'm not saying it was a it was it was a bang bang hit like I'm it looked dirty. Uh, it like hits hits of those can be a little iffy on the dirty on um, if it was dirty or not. Anyway, the Bills had a shot at winning that game. The Bills are a legit team. We've seen that the last three weeks. Patriots are struggling right now. They're still winning games, but it's not by as much as you'd want to win. Especially our good friend Kevin over here. Uh, I've taken the Bills in an upset six and they're six and a half point dogs. That's my upset pick. I, I gotta take it because um, it's it just feels like you know this is the one time the. The Patriots – their Patriots have that late-game slip-up game against a division rival. Because I don't see them losing to Miami in Week 17, so uh, this is what I got. Kiev. The Pats' offense still can't get
1: going, and I think that's a huge concern going in this game. But their defense is still phenomenal, and I think that's – they're going to win this game based on their defense and their special teams. I don't think Josh Allen's a very good quarterback yet. I think he's fine, but I think this defense is good enough. And they don't have a bunch of weapons on offense, except outside of, like, Dawson Knox. And John Ross. Yeah, well, put Stephon Gilmore on him. Even though Tyler Boyd thinks he won that matchup, Stephon Gilmore will do fine. Pats.
0: Savannah.
2: This one's tough for me just because of both of their defenses are, like, leading the team. So it's really to me going to be like which team, which team's defense plays more. I think I think New England's defense is going to be able to force more turnovers than Buffalo's defense is. It pains me to pick the Patriots because I don't want to. I want Bills. I want to this off, but I'm gonna go with the Patriots.
0: All right. Uh... Rams at 49ers right now, the line six and a half for San Francisco. Um, I have the 49ers by a mile and a half. Um, the Rams showed me once again on Sunday that they are who I thought they were. Denny Green reference. We brought it back. Uh, they are a joke. They are so reliant on a running back who's, who has the needs of a 50 year old. They basically can't move the ball unless he gets going. They need to draft a running back. And Sean McVay is not even the best coach in his division anymore. He's not – I don't even – I. Caysbury might be catching up to him at this point. So I. 49ers by a mile. I think this line is too low. Savannah.
2: Yeah, I'm going with the 49ers. As much as I want the Rams team that showed up against the Seahawks to show up, I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that <clears> – <throat> I say this all the time. Every team has, like, their weird loss, their off day. I just think that happened to be Seattle's off day, and it made the Rams look good, and they're not. So I got to go with the 49ers.
0: Cam,
1: I got to go with the 49ers, too. They're too good, even with that loss last week. Rams just, I have no idea what to think of this team. I know they're not good, but they might be just a bad team again. So, 49ers all day.
0: All right. Saints and Titans. Now, if you told me this game about, I don't know, eight weeks ago, I'd say this is a blowout and a half. And the Saints are still one of the best teams in the NFC and still have a Super Bowl shot. But Tennessee just got beat in a nail-biter to Houston. I still think Saints are going to win. The line is... Only New Orleans minus two because it is on the road. I think Tannehill is going to make this game really close, but unfortunately I have to pick the Saints only because my football expert is telling me – my football expert part of my brain is telling me or aspiring football expert is telling me that, dummy, don't pick the team that couldn't beat Houston's awful secondary. So – but if they can get Derrick Henry going – we might be looking at a, a a Titans win though, but it would he would have to have another monster game, like another Jacksonville esque or against Cleveland kind of game where he just goes off for like 150 yards and two touchdowns. Can't.
1: I have the Saints. They're riding high after Drew Brees broke Peyton Manning's touchdown record. I think this defense is still is good. I think they have the weapons and offense needed. I think they can. Even let Derrick Henry run wild because I he's played better this season, but I still don't think Ryan Tannehill's a g- very good quarterback, not one you have to worry about. So I think the Saints are going to win it. All right, Savannah,
2: yeah, the Saints too. Uh, Drew Brees just both broke a couple records actually, two and now Michael Thomas is on his way to break another record. So I think not that I think that's the driving force of the team, but. I just think that's the Saints' MO this season. They're strong, they're fast, they're they're just the all-around better team.
0: All righty. Now, the game that you guys have been waiting me all to talk about, Cowboys-Eagle. Now, on paper, Cowboys have better receiving core, better running back, better offensive line if Johnson doesn't play. It looks like Lane Johnson and Derek Barnett will play, which is good because Derek Barnett always has amazing games against the Cowboys. Um, Eagle secondary is healthy. Uh, the only players that are out are Howard and Nelson Aguilar. Now, last week we finally saw the final like the what Miles Sanders is capable of. Yes, it was against a three and eleven team. I know that was what Kevin was thinking. But that game was very emotional. It was also the first time Carson threw a game-winning touchdown pass and it was actually caught this season. Um by anybody not named Zach Ertz. Greg Ward, I think, will be a fixture on the Eagles next year, just because I feel like he's he's got he runs a great routes being an ex quarterback. I think you can see it. Ah, everything everyone's like, oh, the Cowboys got this, but there's one thing I want you guys to remember: there is nothing more dangerous than a Doug Peterson coach team with their back against the wall and a playoff shot in reach. I'm t- I'm taking Philadelphia because Carson Wentz in his mind, knows if he loses another game to Dak, he'll never hear the end of it. Even though it's only year four, it's still like that's – and this is the shot. He wants to get out of Foles' shadow. He wants to prove he's worth the contract. You beat Dallas. If they don't beat Dallas, that's it. The game, the season's over. I've been saying this every time I pick them the last three weeks. You don't win, you go home. And then you seriously got to – you can't blame the receivers. Because last week, that offense did what it had to do to score points. Get the ball to Sanders. Get the ball to Boston Scott and Jay Ajayi. Allow that pass rush to get after Dak, who has a throwing injury. I'm not buying it. I think it's just a smokescreen. And for the love of Christ, Jalen Mills, play like you did against him the first time. Because I cannot deal with another Cowboys win. So I'm picking my Eagles. I'm pulling for, my, for the boys. There's no music. This is This is all business. We're going in there. It's gonna be tight. I'm not calling a blowout. I'm calling us getting the W. It's gonna be tight, emotional. There's gonna be probably a couple of cheap shots, penalties, fights. I have Philadelphia by a, by four. Whoa. Also Carson wants to lead back to that game winning drives lost two weeks. Well,
1: it's hard to pick against the Eagles after that emotional speech about Shut how good they're
0: going to be. Shut but up. I'm going to do it anyway. Of course you are, because you want to see me suffer. Yeah, pretty
1: much. And also, I think Cowboys, Amari Cooper, Zeke, Jason Witten, shelves his former stealth, but can still make a play a game. I think that's what it's going to come down to, one play. I think the Cowboys still have a great offensive line. I think that's the, that's an advantage in this game, whether or not Lane Johnson plays. I think that Dak leads the league in passing for a reason. And I think this defense is good enough. The and with Augalore out, that's a big loss for the Eagles. I know. Who else is going to drop the game-winning touchdown pass from Carson? Someone will find a way. It's going to be the Cowboys. <laughs>
0: All right, Savannah. Uh,
2: I'm looking at – so just looking at the stats for, like, um, each team. So on paper, Dallas is the better team, clearly. They have better stats in literally every single category. But I'm looking at not just their record but, like, who they've played. So Dallas is literally one in six against teams that are 500 and above. And they have these stats because of who they've played because of that reason. They they did get back to who they like most people thought that they were going to be last season last week, but I don't think it holds up. I think this that was just a fluke game.
0: Oh, Savannah, what was what's Philadelphia's record against winning teams?
2: Philadelphia's record against winning teams? I'm not.
0: Oh, sure. It's, it's three and three, I believe. But the one thing I wanted to say is Philadelphia's record against teams that they both play yeah. is three and one. Like it, it was like teams they both play over five hundred. I think Philadelphia beat Philadelphia beat Green Bay, they beat um what's his face? They beat the bills and they beat uh, what was the other one? My brain's hurting right now any uh no I, the the stat was in the combined opponents, Philadelphia was like six and three against teams that the Cowboys and Eagles have both played where the Cowboys were like three and six or whatever, because the Cowboys lost to the bears who the Eagles beat. The Cowboys also found ways to lose to the, uh, oh, what was it? Crap, I can't think right now, but, uh, the stat was Philadelphia is better against, uh, winning teams and Dallas is clearly, but continue. I'm sorry. Oh,
2: it's okay. That's, you're literally going towards my point. Like, on paper, Dallas is this great team, but it's because they've these teams that are subpar. Clearly, they're not – they're under 500. So, Philly I, – I mean, I'm going with Philly. Dak is – I don't like him. And I'm not picking that – I'm not picking this game just to spite the Cowboys because then it would go against, against me. But <laughs> – they're just not. They're just not that good of a team on the field as they are on paper.
0: All I'm just saying is that the Eagles in December under Peterson have like a ridiculous record. And also, I don't know there's some there's something about this game that feels different. Like there's no Phil. is not saying anything. They're just there. There were there's there's no hype. There's no talking. I think the last time Philly played uh, Dallas with the whole Doug Peterson Demarcus Lawrence thing. I think that was something that the entire team was just like, all right, this can never happen again. I have never gone to bed so angry that I didn't even, like, get on Xbox, crack a beer, or anything. I literally – I think it was like 7 – it was like 8.30 and I rolled over went to bed. I was just so angry at that game because it, was, it wasn't even like – we just let the game slip away. And Dallas has then just started beating up on us because I think the Eagles gave up. But that in mind, last but not least, we go from my team's matchup to Savannah's team's matchup. Packers and Vikings. Now, folks, Dalvin Cook has been ruled will most likely be out. There's like a 20% chance he's playing, which sucks for uh, Con- uh, my fans team. Connor owes me 20 bucks, um, being in the championship game of the Southbury League. But – Vikings are still five-point favorites. That tells me something. The Packers are, have a reputation this year to be a little soft against physical teams. The Vikings are soft, but I'm going to throw you guys a curveball here. This game is on Monday night. This game also decides if Minnesota has still has a shot at a division championship. Which is why I'm taking the Green Bay Packers to smack him. only because Cousins played okay in primetime this year, but when he's playing against the guy who plays great in primetime, Aaron Rodgers. I think that Dalvin Cook being gone is going to really hurt them. Um, I think the Packers will have one defensive stand again. I don't. I still think the Packers are soft, but I think the Vikings just love to shoot themselves in the foot. I think Mike Zimmer's an average coach. I think Kirk Cousins is average to above-average quarterback. Dalvin Cook's an elite running back, top five easily, and they have still the best one-two puncher receiver in the league. But Packers have a better quarterback, and when it comes to these games late in the season, the Packers want to put away this division now, get possibly number two seed if New Orleans loses, or keep their number two seed if New Orleans loses. This is it. Packers win. They set their starters next week.
1: All season, I've been saying that I think Aaron Rodgers doesn't look the same. He hasn't been lighting lighting it up like he has been in the past. He might also be regressing. Not as bad as Tom Brady, but he might be. Packers, like you've been saying, Jared, they're soft. I think that changes this week. I'm taking the Packers big in my upset, I think, It's going to be an emotional NFC North game, and I think the Packers are going to spank the living daylights out of the
0: Vikings. Smart upset pick. Samantha, do we even need to ask who you're picking on this one?
2: Wow. Okay, so I've thought long and hard about this. Really? But I'm going to pick the Packers.
0: Oh my God, shocker. Somebody call the press. Oh, wait, we are the press.
2: So there's some couple, like, eye-opening stats that I'm thinking about when it comes to this game. So this is 0-8 on Monday Night Football, 0-3 with the Vikings, 0-5 with the Redskins. But the Packers are 0-3 at the Vikings' new stadium. So something's going to get broken. But when I think of – yeah, you're right. We're winning ugly. Our team is really soft against these hardcore teams – but Aaron Rodgers in December when something is on the line like this is just a different breed of quarterback to me and our no-name wide receivers when we put them in the game actually know how to step up. Aaron Jones is a top running back this season and I think he gets going especially after he got snubbed out of the Pro Bowl. So, and Darius Smith and Preston Smith and Kenny Clark are like our whole front line they're just gonna—they're gonna be able to force turnovers from Kirk. I know this isn't the same team we faced week two, but with Davin Cook out, that definitely gives the Packers an advantage.
0: There you go. All right, so we're all on the Packers here. So guys, uh, since uh, we all took Savannah—that's your upset too, right? Yes. Okay. So since we all took our upsets already, me with the Bills, you two with the Packers. We all have our gimme picks. Uh, mine is Washington over Boise State. I think the line. I think Washington's still a favorite. Even if Boise State was only twelve and it was twelve and one. What do you guys got for your picks?
1: Savannah, you can go.
2: Um, I have a question: Is Eli playing for the Giants? Yes. Yeah. Okay, um, I'm going to go with the Giants over the Redskins. Okay. Because I think – I know Eli didn't win, like, his first start back, but he won last week, and I think these last few weeks might be his last chance to ever play football. I feel like it's probably his time to retire. So I think he's really going to play his heart out this week, and then if he starts next week as well, I think these are going to be emotional, especially with interdivision games. I think Eli's going to pull out the win.
0: Yeah, Washington's the favorite, by the way, in my game. Uh, Kev, who is your gimme pick this week? Ravens over Browns. Oh my god!
2: Hey, the Browns beat the Ravens last time. That's huh?
0: the other, that's the thing that's got me screwed up because I have in the flex, I have Hollywood Brown or Greg Ward. Now, hear me out. Greg Ward gets like eight gets like twelve targets a game from Carson Wentz, where Hollywood Brown's kind of streaky. He scores all
2: the touchdowns though. He gets a lot of touchdowns.
0: I know, but it's like I got two hundred and twenty bucks in the line in this one. That's paying some serious bills. Oh yeah. I mean I only paid twenty in, but the pot's two hundred and twenty bucks.
2: So
0: I sure. know uh, I'm playing a team that basically snuck in by the skin of their teeth. I was the top ranked team in the league. But anyway, yeah, so Kevin's got Ravens over Browns. Kev, you got some weird stuff in sports for us? I do. Nine years ago
1: today. Do you guys know why that's an important date? Deshaun Jackson's power turn against the Giants. Maybe that's not what I'm talking about. That's not weird enough for me.
2: The Patriots lineman almost touchdown against the Packers? Yes. Anyway.
1: Wow. Dan Connolly. He's a he was a guard, I think left guard. I could be wrong. I could have been a right guard. The Packers were up 17-7 to with 2.17 left in the second. They went for a squib kick to try and keep it away from our returner. And Dan Conley got it. Now, most linemen, they might stumble a yard or two and go down. But Dan Conley, no. He wanted greatness. He returned the ball 71 yards. A 313-pound man returning a kickoff... 71 yards only to get tackled at the five I think the Packers should have just given him the touchdown just he tried so hard that might be the most athletic thing he'd done in his career <laughs> just give it to him let Ox, him have it tank it all <laughs> like
0: the, the Patriots won the game anyway so it really wouldn't have mattered
2: right but who won the Super Bowl that year
0: that's also really weird because I was like that. That day was like crazy because nobody was talking about that return because everyone was talking about Deshaun Jackson's punt return because the Giants blew like I was a 26 point lead. Yes.
1: Also, congrats, Savannah. The Packers won their only Super Bowl of the past twenty, almost twenty-five years.
2: That's cool. We have thirteen championships.
1: If you want to go by that math, Philadelphia's got like eight. Yeah, I think it's funny when teams, they when they want to just say how many championships they have, they say championships from before the AFL-NFL merger. See,
0: here's the thing, Kevin, Kevin. I have one Super Bowl. We have one Super Bowl. Oh, that That's wasn't
2: about
0: you. I yeah, I know, I know. Like, I live in the Broncos guys like, we have ten championships. I'm like, those don't count. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have four Super Bowls then. We want to
2: do it that way.
1: Okay, cool. Pats have
0: six.
2: Okay, bye.
0: all right well, let's crank that smooth jazz because i want to kick back relax keep drinking this great imperial stout and not give a crap because my christmas vacation basically starts today unless after to are like a half day on monday but so folks uh with that being said we will not be having a show on tuesday due to being christmas eve um we will probably have a show thursday the 26th uh so we want to all wish you a happy holidays merry christmas I didn't know what dates Hanukkah was this year. I think they overlap with Christmas, right? This year? Possibly. But any, possibly. Also, happy Kwanzaa. Happy Festivus. Whatever you celebrate. It uh, starts the 23rd. Okay, yeah. I was, I was close. It's one Christmas is like the third day of Hanukkah. But, Kwanzaa is the 26th. Yep, I know. And Boxing Day to you Canadians out there. Um, so basically, we want to wish you all a very happy and safe holiday season. Don't do anything I would do. Um, enjoy your time with family. Make sure you get. Don't be like me and buy all your gifts three days before Christmas. That's what I'm doing. Oh, me too. I my mom's gift comes in the mail on the 23rd. <laughs> uh, I am buying my Secret Santa gift for my cousin on Saturday. I am buying my best friend his gift on Saturday, and I am buying my sister's boyfriend his gift on Saturday because basically and I my mom basically picked out my gift for my sister which I honestly kind of signed out for because I love the idea but basically she goes I'm at work do you want this for Helena I'm like yes please but yeah so don't be like me buy your gifts early uh for me I had certain reasons why I couldn't get out and go shopping for gifts but uh now I finally have my transportation back so it's gonna be high. This, of course, my favorite holiday of the year. If you couldn't tell, go check out Sound Off. You see the vast array of Christmas lights behind where I stand, and the Santa, the ridiculous Santa hat I am wearing during the whole episode. But um, that's it for me and the crew. We will see you guys next, actually a week from now, Thursday. So, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Festivus, Kwanzaa, whatever you guys celebrate. Happy holidays. Thanks for listening to the Corner Booth Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and on Twitter at Corner Booth Pod.